0: Hello and welcome to the Psychomedia Podcast. I am Timothy James Swan.
1: And I am Benjamin Frederick Fell, and together we will be discussing the funny side of psychology.
0: Ah, yes, in uh, Psychomedia. Of course, a podcast by any other name would sound as sweet. Or would it? That's what we're going <laughs> to find so. out. Maybe
1: laboured introduction this week we are discussing names Nomencl- nomenclature N- uh.
0: you're just lucky that i didn't go for that i am timothy james swan son of paul son of ronald <laughs> heir to the seven kingdoms <laughs> yeah guess which book series i'm reading um yes uh the swanborn
1: guess which uh, guess which board game i will surely be playing
0: yeah well it's the same competition for this week you guys
1: <laughs> it's really not. Uh, the competition this week is to work out what possessed us to come up with our outro, which you'll find later. <laughs> I um, don't think
0: that is an answerable question. You know how there are some unanswerable questions.
1: That's... <laughs> there are known unknowns, unknown knowns, and outros.
0: <laughs> yeah, um I will have to actually put up in my uh, in the show notes the cover of the particular edition of A Storm of Swords that I'm reading, the third book in ah. the. Uh, song of ice and fire because it is probably the worst cover art i have ever seen oh that's it's not good it's like the original 2000 edition because that's the only one that gets it in one volume ah. but, <laughs> oh or my kindle. me <laughs> it's well, all yes, about the kindle it was cheaper to get this and delivered to my house than to get it on kindle wow that is impressive to no sense but yeah hmm.
1: mind yeah. you the uh yeah, that, that yeah that
0: does that is kind of upsetting i'm on technology <laughs> catch up come on catch up yeah, yeah boys come, come on and then then you get to the point where it's just like oh i torrented it mm. torrented all the books no i
1: didn't i heard that uh the game of thrones rpg which uh was released recently is actually not as catastrophically awful as it could have been oh well that's i heard, heard that the story is actually quite good this is on the jump uh giant bomb cast uh or maybe it was like no it was GameSpot review of it and uh yeah they were like like the combat and stuff isn't that amazing but the story's pretty good and the characters are quite
0: interesting oh well that's good
1: hmm. would almost have me need to give it a go if i had enough money to spend on games yeah, at the I'm, moment, I'm, I'm not, i really don't <laughs> i'm not
0: that new certainly that's not a good enough review for me to buy it no no definitely i'm not sure not. anything is a good enough review for me to buy it new. No.
1: <laughs> i really want to play diablo 3 and then some of the time and then the other half of the time i'm like no i don't want to play diablo 3 that's that's my main existential gaming crisis at the moment. Right. Uh, which I'm attempting to uh, negate by playing Path of Exile, which is like, it's sort of, what's the stuff that they give to uh, people who are trying to um, get off heroin?
0: Uh, methadone.
1: Yeah, it's like the methadone to Diablo 3.
0: Which is interesting, given that you haven't actually played Diablo 3 to begin with, right? Yeah. You're like a Diablo 3 baby. <laughs> You've just had it passed, like, into you by your mother or its mother. I think the analogy is breaking.
1: I think it's long since broken. It definitely needs to visit a repair shop. (laughs) Should we have some feedback? Let's have some backfeeding, yes.
0: I hate it when you call it that.
1: (laughs) That sounded
0: really dirty. (laughs) I hate it when you call it that anyway sorry anyway. Um, <laughs> so there's no way to seamlessly transition into the fact that the first bit of feedback is from my very own mother ah uh, who is an occasional listener um, but Ooh. she tuned into our hilarious and brilliant mathematics episode if you remember that was a very good episode
1: it was both hilarious and brilliant
0: <laughs> it was fine um anyway <laughs> it
1: was passable. why wow. we we went rapidly downhill there it was amazing it was okay yeah it, I, it, it I, I i job, was being you know? it was
0: because I think we'd had a really good episode the week before, or possibly afterwards, and the mathematics one, it was fine. Anyway, uh, she raised <laughs> two points. Uh, point one, did I remember El Nombre, uh, the <laughs> Mexican mouse from the uh, kids' educational show Number uh, Time, who talks about it And, of course, I do... I do distinctly El Nombre writing <laughs> numbers in the desert sand El Nombre Tim, I will put the real why don't, the show notes
1: would you like to tell the bo- I'm sure it's been in show notes before and in early episodes and I'm sure that we've told this story before but Tim would you like to tell the boys and girls why El Nombre made its way into some of our first year uh, psychology lectures
0: oh yeah I forgot about that yeah, <laughs> I was kind of weird why you were being familiar with this rather than being your usual. I didn't have a TV as a child, so I don't get any cultural references. But um, of course, it's because I had already explained it's it true. in our past, you know, Psychomedia prequel episode three hundred. Um, <laughs> this assumes that a university would have been no, able no, to no. do a weekly. You mid- have we have
1: talked about this on the podcast, oh, have am Sure, I don't think like, we have. Uh, uh I'm right. You tell them about it. I'm going on to Psychomedia and finding if it's in the show notes. Okay,
0: good luck with that. Um, because oh, maybe
1: it was. Uh, maybe it was on Facebook actually. Oh, it's so confusing. <laughs>
0: the whole what is real life? And I what to... is on the
1: podcast? <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, we had a lecturer whose name was Kia Nobre, which is not a new model um, of car, but uh, because of my obsession with El Nombre, I believe that I would sing the song El Nombre writing like cognitive neuroscience in the desert sand El nobre it was longer than cognitive neuroscience it was like ridiculously longer than numbers
1: it really saddens me that you've forgotten exactly what it was that you used to sing it's written down like, somewhere
0: almost certainly <laughs> trouble is that somewhere is probably on a lecture feedback form
1: <laughs> is this is true I had a, uh, I, I am now an officially qualified Oxford tutor because uh, I went on a tutorial training course uh, on Monday. And one of the things that they were emphasising was that you should get feedback from your students about how uh, how you're doing. So I think I'm going to produce a little back-feeding form, which will be so named, in order to freak them out.
0: Yeah. Um, are you going to somehow make our podcast required listening? That's really... It's, just, the- it's causing me a certain degree of
1: uh, concern because, so I have... Um, on my academic email, I have a, an email signature. And when I was putting that signature together, I did consider linking the podcast on it. But now I'm, I'm kind of racked by indecision because I don't know whether I want students listening to this
0: bullshit. Leap.
1: Sorry, you're going to have to that now, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> it's, the, it's the new mic setup. It's making me feel all free and unencumbered, which we will talk about in a moment. Anyway, sorry, you had some more feedback, I suspect. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, we had this... Interesting discussion about how she argued that the reason that I was relatively decent at mathematics was because she'd done just what was in that episode and counted things out, even to high numbers when I was very young and my brothers as well, but mostly me because I'm the special (laughs) one. No, just because I'm the eldest and that's true. Word spoke (laughs) in my opinion. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, but, um, and so, yeah, I found that interesting. Um, Some indirect feedback, uh, I was listening to the monkey on my back podcast and I'd sent in some feedback to their question of the week. Um, but I just like to quote one single line verbatim because they said, Oh, I haven't, we haven't heard from him in ages. And, uh, Jane said, I hear his voice coming from the bathroom all the time.
1: Whoa. Tim, what are you doing <laughs> in other people's bathrooms?
0: <laughs> no, the real answer is because her life partner, Steve listens to the show. Um, right. uh, he
1: hasn't. <laughs> and
0: invites you occasionally into their bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's quite weird to just hear someone say, of anyone, I hear his voice going from the bathroom all the time. Even if you know the reason why, that's quite weird.
1: That is pretty strange. Oh, well, that's, you know, only only equally as strange as anything else that gets said on any podcast ever.
0: Well, that's true. Um, and in fact, we had one last piece of feedback that was uh, online uh, from a person who I'm going to call Malone or O'Malone. Um who wrote nice one lads which really doesn't feel like the tone of our show um <laughs> no i don't yeah but he also said actually nice. the show worked particularly with the studies so it does sound like a real feedback here and you know it hasn't Definitely. quite hit by the but well uh, he has thanks, a thanks mate <laughs> yes um chum <laughs> uh, the old mucker right, right, stop now. yeah okay uh, he has a blog with some very interesting and forthright views about various things
1: I see. That sounded like an extremely restrained comment. Yeah, let's put it Okay. There. <laughs> okay, sure. Let's leave it
0: there, shall we? Yes. Do um, you have any feedback?
1: Well, kind of, sort of, basically, no, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, no, I can't... Uh, was about to get out the harmonica and play a mournful harmonica thing but i only have major harmonicas (laughs) (laughs) so anything anything immediately sounds jaunty when you play it which is not the intended effect anyway um two things firstly uh unrelated to this week's topic i uh posted a comment on the British Psychology Society uh research digest webpage because they have a uh li- list of psychology podcasts oh yes including you know things like the new University of Nebraska or the American Journal of Psychiatry or the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast and things like that it's a kind of pretty pretty high profile stuff um but they had a thing on there saying you know if you if you know of any other podcasts do feel free to post in the comments and i did and we are now at the top of the list wait what uh yeah if you uh i, I will link you we are literally at the top of the list of uh this bps research digest um, psychology podcast this is a very proud moment this is the, I should point out, this is the first piece of input that I have given to distributing this podcast. It's the first thing that I've done. How did you do it so well? I just posted a comment. I, I didn't even, I didn't even do that well. I had real difficulty getting the comment. I like posted it and then it didn't appear. And I was like, oh, I need to do it. Sorry, another bleep for you. Oh,
0: come do, on.
1: I need to do it again. It's the microphone now. I need to do it again. And so I did it another two times before noticing that after I posted the comment, a little thing flashed up saying comments submitted for approval will be posted later. But thankfully, I don't appear to have double posted. So yeah, and we're at the top. So I clearly didn't annoy them that much.
0: Yeah. So
1: yeah, if you uh, if you want to be exciting, I mean, I would always recommend if you're interested in any of this stuff heading over to BPS Research Digest and subscribing to their RS feed, because it's really good stuff. Like, you'll notice a significant number of the uh, articles that we talk about are drawn directly from there. Um, And it's a really good sort of...
0: Have you proven that statistically significant?
1: Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) This is is the rubbish section of the podcast where we don't have to worry about stuff like that.
0: Sure. I would called it informal, maybe.
1: So the other piece of feedback uh, this week, which, uh, like the previous one, isn't feedback. Um, Incidentally, I think this section should probably just be called Uh, Tim's feedback and things Ben wants to talk about because otherwise it's not fair and it makes me feel very sad every week. But anyway, the other piece of in quotes feedback uh, is um, related to this week's topic of names uh, because part of the uh, inspiration for Discussing this this week came from a conversation between some of my fellow psychologists on Facebook uh, regarding their the favorite their favorite psychologist names that they'd come across um, in revision and such because it's exam term here at the moment. Oh so yes, same. Um, although most uh, two thirds of them are finished, uh, which is quite nice. Um, anyway, yeah, it was uh, it was impressive, particularly given that uh, some of the the person who started the um, discussion. Had a really quite long list, despite the fact she's only a first year, and I hadn't heard of a number of them. Um, so props to, to her for that. But anyway, yeah, some of the some of the highlights from this include uh, obviously Hellhammer, our, our personal favourite, yep. and, uh, and Zions, and uh, old uh, Oh, Mihai, yep. uh, uh, uh Someone suggested Am- Am- Amit Hamburger uh which i am I, not sure i'm pronounced the first bit right but i'm pretty sure there's only one way to pronounce hamburger um, <laughs> and that is delicious uh there was a, a bona, who i think i may have come across uh <laughs> spelt b o h n e r and a vanke pronounced uh, spelt w a n k e uh a a nazi a nazi 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 Z I.
0: I think i remember that unfortunate one yeah
1: yeah and um the uh one that I think I like the most, although it's probably not objectively the best, is Benedict Hell. <laughs> Spelt not only is it Benedict Hell, it's Benedict with a K. Oh. That is such a
0: cool name. That I mean that's up there with Hellhammer. It like, very much. Benedict Hell. I mean it sounds like a mild exclamation, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> Benedict Hell.
0: <laughs> it's like Gordon Benedict. Benedict Hell. <laughs> uh yeah so um there's some- also there's some- quite similar to your name which is interesting why it do is. you like it <laughs> know,
1: that may be something to do with it <laughs> that we'll explain it later in the episode uh but yeah so uh that is my feedback ish i suppose what have you done yep. this week tim anything fun exciting um, well the sun came out Ah, so um, yeah
0: congratulations to it i hear its parents were very supportive (laughs) i'd love to think that you were the first person to make that joke
1: i'd love to think that i was the first person to make that joke and so
0: i shall (laughs) yeah let's not try and disprove that any (laughs) listener who sends in feedback disproving that is fired (laughs) um but uh, we can't afford to lose them (laughs) Don't Although... oh, no, we're on the BPS. <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. All of the real psychologists will be coming and supporting us. Um, we really yeah, can't uh, to
1: lose them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. We don't want real psychologists listening to this. <laughs> be very bad. Um, yeah, so, no, uh, for example, we were looking after a friend's dog at the weekend. So we went for a nice walk in some woods with some bluebells, etc. Oh, it was all very that? pleasant. But that is really probably the most high-profile and exciting thing that I did this week until uh this uh lunchtime but i'll come back to that because i do want to quickly mention my obsession with uh the tv show blockbusters which returned in the form of all new blockbusters starring simon mayo wow uh, this week uh, that's slightly high profile like I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, but he's not on TV very often. This is true. This is true. And Unless it's on you can't uh, like
1: the live stream of their their podcast. But
0: anyway. Yes, which is not on TV. This is actual an actual freeview channel. Oh goodness! Freeview forty eight challenge TV. Are you being paid by them? Uh no, because they're a Sky product. Because uh, <laughs> not allowed. I'm not allowed by my moral code. My rather tangled up and confused but definitely their moral code to accept money from sky (laughs) Um, unless like they want to put a show of mine on sky atlantic but you know it's not going to happen so i can accept that you know anyway (laughs) yeah Um, coincidentally
1: i also went for a walk in a woods with bluebells and my family right well that's there wasn't any dog okay Uh, uh, my brain just went hey ben that was your girlfriend though wasn't there i was like no bad brain
0: you know how what I'm always. <laughs> this podcast is going to cause you no end of suffering.
1: It already does. Not like that, obviously. Uh, anyway, yes, I went for a very nice walk with my girlfriend and my parents in a wood full of bluebells for my birthday, which was like two weeks ago.
0: Oh, well, that's super. Um, but yeah, I don't know if the thing that happened to me this lunchtime happened to you either today or in the last couple of days. Um, but I opened an envelope. Uh, to be showered with um, this sort of black dust, anthrax. <laughs> no, because anthrax I think is white, um, and uh, yeah, all of this kind of crumbled up stuff fell on me uh, in the deepest, darkest black. Uh, no, this this didn't happen to me. Are okay,
1: sure, are you sure Deep it's not dark- retaliation for all that time you spent in that uh, couple's bathroom? <laughs>
0: No, although she did once send me a jar of bacon so I, I imagine we would.
1: Be... <laughs> uh, maybe it's just, you know, degraded in the post. Right.
0: No, uh, it was in fact a wax seal uh, oh. on a wedding invitation. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, uh, never mind.
1: Uh, there's a joke in there about seal clubbing, but I'm not going to make it.
0: Okay, well, uh, the post office is definitely an expert at that, <laughs> because it was completely shattered. It had only come from Lemington to Worcester. That's what, like a... T- oh,
1: wow. I, I now know what this is about, and I'm deeply jealous. Well, I think you're going to be getting one. I would hope so
0: um i'm pretty sure given
1: that, that she's we're been we're she's been state facebooking state me about state. it and like talking to me about it i think it would be kind of cruel now not to invite me but they know no, no. i don't know
0: well yes um but yeah so i've got like i may have to be your plus one stained well in a very real way. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get to an event and do that at some point but yeah um it was kind of weird being It'll invited be- to the first wedding as like an independent adult you know i've been to weddings but it's always been like family as a kind of child of a family mm. Whereas this is like uh, as part of being like a real human being that's crazy and presumably that's the same for you too right oh wait no no, no it is that one that I went to a couple of weeks ago in Korea yeah you, you know that you think I, I might have that, mentioned that it I'm not sure I meant did I tell you about that I'm not sure if I did yeah even the listeners know about that <laughs> uh oh well that's cool I look that, forward that to it be weird but I guess unlike you we ha- I haven't we haven't been asked to do anything isn't that shocking that's shocking but <laughs> pleasant <laughs> Really? I was going to say, it's not a shocking.
1: I mean, I really enjoyed The Wedding in Korea, but I have this vague sense that uh, this upcoming one may be of a slightly more uh, stylish and professional nature than uh, than the one in Korea. I don't know. We shall see. But that's exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure we'll be getting your invitation, too, and we can be excited together like, you know, like stereotypical girls in a stereotypical film.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that is my one aim in life, to be like a stereotypical girl.
0: Can we get matching dresses?
1: It's male formal dress. We don't need to worry about getting matching dresses. We're necessarily going to be in matching dress.
0: That's true. Oh. Um, I get to suit up. I so rarely get to suit up. No, it's,
1: it's tragic, isn't it? Anyway, things I've done this week. Uh, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. No, no, that was it. Okay. Uh, I watched Shanghai Noon which is an awesome film. It's really good. It's got Jackie Chan in it. It was amazing. The girlfriend hadn't seen it. I was mortified by this and immediately rectified it because uh, I haven't done one of those for a while. And the other thing, for which is sort of like um, a partial apology, is that uh, I have brand spanking new audio equipment. Um, rather than having a falling-to-pieces headset mic, I now have a proper uh, Samson CO1U... Uh, condenser mic sitting on my desk uh, which is very, very swanky but it does mean that it will now pick up all of my irritating, fidgeting drinking of water and typing on keyboard and all this stuff for which I apologise and there may be some slight dodgy audio stuff that hasn't
0: Don't draw their attention to it quite
1: been set up yet but anyway, (laughs) blame Tim, it's his fault Um, (laughs) Yes, of course (laughs) uh, and the other thing of an audio nature to apologise for is that I have a bit of a cold
0: right ben what have you not done in talking about what you've done this week
1: uh segued into the into the psychology
0: exactly so don't worry i'll do it for you on this wedding invitation (laughs) there is one quite interesting detail uh that we're going to talk about well ben's going to talk about a bit later this is the most extreme example of this because if we were to ask the blushing bride um are you going to take your husband-to-be's name (laughs) She would say to us, that's a stupid question. We already have exactly the same surname. (laughs) It's not inbreeding. It's just Sweden. (laughs) That's what they have on the signs when you come into the country. (laughs) Just because every other person is called Ericsson doesn't mean they're all the same. if, If it were
1: inbreeding, it would be like... An advert for how awesome inbreeding can be, because the stereotype of Sweden is that everyone is tall, blonde, and beautiful.
0: And they have a socialist utopia. Well,
1: yes, but you don't get... And no
0: one mentions the suicide levels. You don't get socialist utopia from inbreeding, to my knowledge. But
1: you do Uh... get get homogenous genetic uh, lack of variation. True. Well, it makes everyone equal, doesn't it? Except in number of fingers. But yes, basically. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so that's uh, the laboured segue that somehow managed to ricochet off into incest.
0: <laughs> it's funny how often that happens. <laughs> uh,
1: on this show. Tighter controls on these things. Anyway, yes, this week we are talking about names. I just remembered that what you were trying to belabored, belaboredly segue into was me talking about a study. I'd kind of <laughs> thought I was meant to be going first. Uh, yeah. So names in psychology, the power of a name. How, how much of an influence does your name have over your life and your brain and stuff? Uh, one of the classic classic studies on this is uh, or the classic phenomena is called the name letter effect. Uh, and this was uh, demonstrated by a guy called Nutin, nuttin n u t t i n in a series of studies starting around uh, 1984 the one that i'm going to talk about is in 1987 he is uh, specifically joseph nuttin junior um i think unless jr stands for something else uh from belgium and the idea of the name letter effect is kind of um, an extension of something called the mere ownership effect, which was, or uh, well, uh, is also similar to the mere exposure effect, which is uh, an invention of our friend Bob Zion's.
0: Oh, right. It's not when a Russian cosmonaut, uh, you know, parades in front of you naked
1: the mere exposure effect. See, I yeah. was going to say it's when you watch too many car insurance adverts and that leads you to buy inadvisable tie-in merchandise. But, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. I like that. A, that's a solid... I was going that. for name-letter effect. Is that just the process on which the post office works? <laughs> we wish. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I thought that was like seal waxing. Or wax seal. <laughs> uh, anyway. Wacky, wax. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I understand. You don't generally need to wax seals. They're fairly... I don't know, I guess they are furry, aren't they? Uh, Anyway, anyway, uh, yeah, the mere exposure effect, which is, uh, the mere exposure effect is that you tend to prefer objects when you are frequently exposed to them. Uh, The mere ownership effect is that you tend to prefer objects that you own to objects that you don't own. And so you can see that there is an obvious correlation there in that you tend to be more frequently exposed to objects that you own than to objects that you don't own. Um, There's also a slight problem with the basic version of the mirror ownership effect and that it's difficult to disentangle the causality, i.e. you tend to choose to own objects that you like um, and therefore the preferential side of things becomes somewhat conflated. However, uh, Nutton theorised that the you may be able to demonstrate this more cleanly by looking at names and specifically the letters in your name. Uh, you don't choose your name, you don't choose the letters in your name, and they don't have any, as, as far as he uh, was concerned, they didn't seem to have any kind of intrinsic preferential value. Uh, but he would he argues that since um, ownership as a sort of construct dis- denotes binding an object to yourself, you know, if you own a car, it sort of becomes incorporated into your self-image, I guess, yeah. Um And since a name is an extremely important component, a reflection of yourself, therefore, the letters of your name necessarily belong to it. And by extension, they belong to you, Um, which seems kind of a a, maybe kind of a stretch. I mean, it it seems theoretically sound, but it's kind of hard to believe that it would function in uh, in real life. However, uh, nothing has proved that it works in real life in a number of studies uh, the first of which was a pilot study that he ran on some flemish uh, elementary school children and basically he just uh, he gave them letter stimuli lists of letters and asked them to uh, choose their preferred letters and rank them
0: okay yeah
1: uh, and the simple finding was that the uh, proportion of net letters from a pupil's own name uh, chosen as preferred was significantly higher than, say, letters in um, the name of a randomly assigned other pupil. Um, And so in this 1987 study, he kind of extended and broadened this by uh, testing it in 12 different languages in 14 different countries, in this huge sample of 2,047 participants in total, um, running studies in... Uh, Netherlands, Belgium, England, Finland, France, Germany, Austria, Greece, Hungary, Italy, Norway, Poland, Portugal, and Spain. Uh, and so it was a very similar setup. Participants, It had to be a very kind of simple, easily um, distributed study. So participants were just given these um, selections of letters and asked to... Choose their their favorite uh, their favorites and rank them. Uh, they were given very emph- emphatic instructions about the need to not sort of overthink their decision to try and make it um, unconsciously and and based on sort of feelings rather than thoughts. There's this sure. long long paragraph of instructions which is basically just telling trying to convince people not to think about it too much, including the actual phrase. Um, uh where is it try it's something like yeah uh where are we please try please try to stop all thinking <laughs> brilliant <laughs> uh which is kind of awesome and uh so also, also there was uh, some regional variation of the letter list so they uh the ones in uh in greece were given the uh, is it cyrillic is the alphabet is that the right no that's, no, that's russia Russian, isn't it yeah Uh, the Greek alphabet Um, and uh, Scandinavian languages have some of their strange accentage and lines through letters and such okay Um, and the results supported his hypothesis basically the mean probability of a letter being preferred um, uh, was uh, 0.2 so 20% for non-own-name letters and 30% for own-name letters Um, which was a significant increase. That's across the whole sample. Um, There were a couple of sort of uh, variations within it. So the effect was strongest in Scandinavian samples, Um, sort of 18%. uh, It was up to like 35% for own name letters in Norway and the same in Finland. Um, And then the effect was made even stronger if you just took the initial letters of the name. So if it was your initials, then it was up to a 46% probability of... Those letters being preferred, which is pretty damn high. Um, and there, were, you know, there were some more subtleties like uh, in the Hungarian, Portuguese, and Italian studies. Uh, the the basic letter effect, i any letter from the name, uh, didn't achieve significance, but the initial effect still was strong. So that does definitely seem to be the most powerful thing. And so. This seems fairly fairly straightforward and unequivocal and in approaches uh, the discussion and the implications of this in a rather strange way. The oh, first point that he makes is that this could potentially be used for betting and parlour games. Okay. <laughs> um, so not only is the first thing that he mentions the idea of using this as a fun new parlour or betting game, he then pro- provides a footnote in which he suggests some uh, possible rules for this game. Uh, (laughs) Which read as follows. Right. If you want to play this at home, if one constructs, for example, a list of letter triads, each containing only one of a naive subject's name letters, and if one invites him or her to quickly and spontaneously, without any thinking, cross out the two least attractive letters in the triad, it is very likely that one will successfully predict, better than a naive third betting partner, which letters the subject will not cross out. There you go. Psych- well, it's good to see psychology being used for something really significant and useful. Yeah. Psychomedia uh, money-making tip for this week. <laughs> yeah. Do you friends with the name-letter effect? Uh, yeah. So having, having pointed out the most important implication of the study, he also goes on to point out that A, uh, this requires a, a sort of a fundamental reassessment of how we look at effective processing because although it's been previously established that many people have preferences for things without exactly knowing why they have preferences for them. In this instance they don't even know that they have the preference in the first place. Yeah. Which is kind of uh important. And also, uh, uh secondly, that uh the it's it's significant that he's managed to demonstrate this ownership effect on uh isolated components, i.e. the letters of a name rather than name as a whole. Showing that the ownership uh the mere ownership effect is very powerful. Um, In that particular piece of the discussion, he uses the term homo alphabeticus, which is awesome. It's sort of talking about the idea that uh, humans use letters as sort of isolated constructs extremely regularly and every day and to express all sorts of different things. But he doesn't, doesn't just call them people. He says Western homo alphabeticus actively or passively exposes himself while reading and writing. That's not the whole sentence. That could be completely (laughs) misinterpreted. But yeah, uses the phrase homo alphabeticus, which I quite
0: like. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, Makes it sound like a sort of intellectualized version of Sesame Street.
0: Um, (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking of a man made out of alphabet blocks.
1: (laughs) I was trying to think, do you know what the Latin for vampire is? Uh,
0: I don't. I don't know whether the origin of the vampire myth was really post-Latin. That's such a pity because there's definitely
1: a a count
0: uh, in there. I'm just gonna so I was gonna look message. up the, what the name of the vampire bat was in Latin. Um it's probably like sanguine or something like that. Anyway. They are no, the the two uh vamp- the three vampire bat species are Desmondus Rotundus, <laughs> i.e. fat desmond fat desmond. No, sorry, it's desmodus, sorry. Yeah. Um Diphila echada Diphila echodata and, uh, Diamus Jungi. Okay. Um, so
1: yeah. I like the fact that Jung gets a mention. Um, anyway, well that, that's <laughs> utterly unhelpful for the purpose of joke making. So anyway, back to the study. Um, so those are the, you know, his main conclusions, but he also talks about some further interesting things about letters, uh, and preference for letters, uh, which, uh, in, in his discussion, um, so an obvious question when you're talking about letters in, across languages is frequency effects, whether different languages maybe have different frequencies of letters and have, whether this may interfere with the, the ownership effect that he's talking about. Uh, what he points out is that frequency effects are quite inconsistent um, when you take away any consideration of name. Yeah. So for example, in, uh, in Dutch studies, uh, the letters Q, X and Y are consistently rejected uh, in lists of favourite or preferred letters, Um, and they are also the least frequent letters in the Dutch language. Mm. But there is no consistent preference for the most frequent letters. For example, E, the most frequent letter in the language, is only preferred by about 10% of subjects, and N, the second most frequent, is never preferred in those studies. Uh, which is kind of a contradiction to the idea of the mere exposure effect, because presumably the most frequent letters are the ones that by definition are the ones you're the most frequently exposed to. Um, and so you're not getting the mere uh, mere exposure effect with the uh, with the letters. Yeah, there's other examples. So uh, Y, the letter Y is also uh, mostly rejected by Greek and Polish samples, despite the fact that it has a 50 times higher frequency in those languages than it does in Dutch. Uh, Q is also rejected by French, Spanish and Portuguese uh, participants, despite the fact that it has a higher frequency than the letter B, which is the second most preferred letter,
0: Um,
1: which is, you know, makes sense because B is obviously the best. Um, And the the last uh, thing that I thought was really cool uh, was, um, well, you know, within the context of letter preferences, uh, W is the least frequent letter in written French and is also the most in Nuttin's words, massively rejected letter for French-speaking <laughs> students. I feel sorry for W. Um, uh, for French-speaking students in France and Belgium. However, a high proportion of said Belgian students are Walloons. Do you know what a Walloon well, yes. is? I assume you probably do.
0: Well, the people from Wallonia, but do they have a different language? Because there's French-Belgians and then what? there's Flemish-speaking people. I can't remember.
1: So uh, I think they... They are French-speaking students. So okay. uh, they are Walloons. They live in uh, La Wallonie, or Wallonia. Um, and therefore, the they should have a high frequency of exposure to the letter W. And it should, in a way, denote their... He argues that it it's, can be considered as denoting their cultural identity. Yeah. Um, But what he says is that the fact that they reject it doesn't mean that they're necessarily rejecting their cultural identity in a kind of narcissism over nationalism type thing. But actually, it's just more evidence of contradiction of the mere exposure effect, um, which is kind of the overriding thrust of his discussion. Uh, But anyway, yeah, I thought that was a a really... uh, It's a really nice effect. It's really robust, as you will discuss, I think, um, in the next study. That you have a unconscious and extremely robust preference for the letters in your name and specifically your initials yeah so i um i thought that they would we'd maybe find you know one or two things looking at the name letter maybe some bits here and there when uh, going hunting for studies for this uh turns out there's loads of stuff about the effects that your name can have Uh, So I've just got a a selection of three studies here from different people about different things, just showing what an influence your name can have on your life, uh, both positive and negative, potentially. Um, You can see all three of these studies as being negative, depending on your outlook on marriage. Um, (laughs) So uh, the first study wins this week's best uh, art journal title uh, for how do i love thee let me count the j's uh (laughs) that is referring to j the letter rather than scrub j's which would also have made an excellent journal article showing you know scrub j's counting ability um someone else should publish that i also also should point out that it's by jones et al 2004 (laughs) suggesting a name letter preference in his decision uh of a letter that someone should love um Anyway, this is a study uh, based on the idea of implicit egoism, which, as far as I can tell, is just a catchy title for the kind of things that Nuttin was talking about. Uh, It's positive personal associations... The the idea that positive personal associations also affect external evaluations, uh, specifically with objects associated with the self. So, basically, your positive self-image overflows onto your um, evaluations of external things, i.e., again that things that are similar to you will be preferred, Um, simply put. um, Very similar, obviously, to the name-letter effect, or at least related. Um, And so the idea of Jones et al. study was to find out how this relates to uh, choice of uh, life partner or spouse, um, and whether people whose names begin with the same letters... Like the example from our introduction of our of our little Ericsons, are yes. uh, uh, if there is a robust effect whereby you know people with whose names begin the, with the same letter are more likely to end up married, um, and so they did this with a series of studies. They use, they started off with archival data, which is actually quite easy to get hold of and to use when it comes to things like marriage. You can get yeah. all the information you need from that. Um, and indeed, for over a number of samples from different US states, they found that in general, marrying someone with. Uh, there is a. The chance of someone marrying someone else who has. Man, I'm explaining this badly. The chance of two people marrying who have the same uh, initial letter is uh, significantly higher than if they have different uh, okay. letters. Although this does appear... There is variation, and may it certainly, in some cases, seems to be stronger for surnames than for first names. Um, oh, that's interesting. Which... Yeah. Marriage aside come to think of it applies to me and my girlfriend but anyway
0: yes on. i really literally just realized that having previously thought well their first names don't match i was trying to think of anyone i knew whose first names match <laughs> but then of course surnames
1: i re- the reason for this occurring to me prior to this point was uh, we signed off on a house uh uh lease recently and to go- when going through your uh, your tenancy agreement on that you have to initial every page and all the tenants have to initial every page so we were going through initialing bf and cf on every page uh which was odd anyway um yes after the archival data they also did uh, experimental studies in which they uh i quite like this they gave uh, they told participants uh, that they were going to be having an interaction with somebody um and they asked them to fill out a bunch of, like, background information about themselves. And they also gave them an ID number, um, which is a very common thing to do in studies. You give someone an ID number so they're not personally identified. Um, and so that made perfect sense. What they then did was they they said, OK, well, you're going to go into this interaction with this other person. Here is their background information. And at the top of their this Uh, person's background information was their id number and they uh manipulated the study so that in the experimental condition that id number always uh exactly matched the participant's birth date
0: okay yeah uh
1: coincidentally um and basically they just saw whether uh on subsequent rating scales of expected liking and kind of Uh, positive feeling towards this uh, ostensible interaction, whether having the birth date ID uh, made a big difference. And indeed it did. So, you know, if the the person that they were going to be meeting had the coincidentally matching ID number, they tended to uh, be more excited about the idea of going into the interaction. They thought they were more likely to like the person and all this kind of thing.
0: That's such a better proof that it's not to do with uh, primacy of mastering, isn't it? Yeah. That... Should I try it with something else that's self-related?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, really, it's a really neat little study. So, yeah, there you go. If uh, you're more, basically, that's point one. You're more likely to end up with someone whose surname begins with the same letter as you or whose ID number is the same as
0: your birthday. <laughs> 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 i need to start looking through people's national insurance numbers or something
1: i saw a uh, a thing uh, posted uh on some irs feed the other day of uh a frequency of birthdays uh showing when the like the when the the dense periods for birthdays are i was quite pleased that mine was uh was in one of the rare spells like quite not not very many people born around
0: uh born around where i am okay quite th- nice. I, I guess that makes you feel more special than you know September babies,
1: yeah, basically it was it was yeah full on September basically. Uh, anyway, so that was the first study. Um, so that's the only one that actually relates to name letters. The other ones are just to do with names in general, and these are a little bit more negative. So uh, the second study is by Gebauer, Leary, and Niberg, two thousand and eleven. Uh, it's called Unfortunate First Names, Effects of Name-Based Relational Devaluation and Interpersonal Neglect. Right. And it's based on the idea that if you have a stupid uh, or unfortunate name, do people reject you? And does this mean that you're sad? Which is quite sad, really. Um, They did three studies on this. Apparently, uh, the German media have coined a term for discrimination against those with culturally devalued names. It's called Kevinism.
0: (laughs) Which is fantastic. Uh, I had no idea that Kevin was a name in Germany.
1: uh, Well, the the examples given were Kevin or Chantel, which, uh, at least I think it's Chantel. It does
0: sound like 90s names of fake chavs on TV sketch shows. I mean, what what do you think?
1: Does C-H-A-N-T-A-L... Um, Yeah, I mean,
0: with my expertise in German, I would imagine that was Chantal.
1: Okay. But anyway, yeah. So the the Kevinism. Um, So there is an unpublished master's thesis by Kube, or possibly Kube, but it's spelled Kube with a K, uh, in 2009, with a list of, I think, 24 of these highly culturally devalued, negatively stereotyped names uh, that they collected from... uh, I think it was primary school teachers, actually, uh, yeah. as in like their treatment of students with these names, um, which was kind of distressing. Um, but anyway, so based on this, this data, uh, Gebauer and colleagues that in their first study, they went on a dating website, com, And uh, it's brilliant. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, recorded the number of first visits to, people uh, to the pages of people either with these extremely negatively stereotyped names or extremely positively stereotyped names and basically they found that st- positively stereotyped people received significantly more first visits to their profiles than those with negatively stereotyped names um 102 percent more first visits for the positively stereotyped ones in fact which is a lot right. um yeah. also they found that uh These uh, having a uh, a negatively stereotyped name predicted lower self esteem, less education, and more smoking.
0: Hmm,
1: Great, Uh, it's a fairly bleak picture. And then in studies two and three, they just replicated these effects using slightly different criterion variables for the names. So in study two, they used uh, Rudolph's name list from 2007, which is a less extreme um, categorization of negatively stereotyped names. It has more names and it's better validated and it's published as opposed to being a master's yes. thesis. Um, and but they replicated the same effects, just with you know slightly smaller effect sizes. Um, sure. And then in study three they used the Bielefeld Bielfeld sorry Bielfeld uh 2011 list of popular names, uh which is an index of popularity of names across a given decade. And once again they found in all three of these studies that whether you had an unpopular name or just a slightly negatively stereotyped name or a really negatively stereotyped name, it always predicted a lower number of first visits to your dating profile, lower self-esteem, more smoking and less education. Um, oh, progressing less foreign education. So that's kind of bleak. Um, and yeah, so that that's uh, one bad thing about having a name and another so uh, one alternative is that you may not have a, a sort of objectively uh, unfortunate name, but if your name is difficult to pronounce, that may cause you problems in life. So this final right. third study is by Laham, Koval and Alter, 2011. Um, it's called The Name Pronunciation Effect, Why People Like Mr. Smith More Than Mr. Calhoun. I assume that's how you pronounce it. I honestly don't yep. know. Um <laughs> Uh, should someone should do a study of whether you like people prefer journal articles with pronounceable titles,
0: uh, I think be the opposite effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, yeah, you may be right. Uh, so anyway, they did five studies here, uh, in study one, they found that, uh, when they just got people to choose, uh, uh like six easy pronounced names and six not easy to pronounce names from a uh, list of names. Um, and rate them for liking. They tended to like the ones that were easy to pronounce more. Uh, they Then in study two, they presented a, a list of 12 names uh, from a kind of a fake election ballot and found that people tended to vote for more easily pronounceable names. In study three, they replicated that effect, but with more kind of detailed stimulus material, uh, where... They um, included, you know, descriptions of candidates for a particular post and their characteristics, and all they varied was their name. Uh, say that all they varied, they also included a dimension of nationality. Yeah. found that the pronunciation preference effect was invariant of nationality, which is quite significant. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then in study four, they went back to looking at the liking effect, but they specifically only used Anglo-Saxon names. Uh, to further confirm this idea that it isn't just an aspect of nationality. Uh, And then in study five, they did it in a realistic context. So they got uh, uh, data on um, lawyers and their positions within their their legal firms and found, slightly depressingly, that lawyers with easy-to-pronounce names tended to occupy superior positions in a firm invariant of their nationality. Uh, so, yes, if you have uh, an unfortunate or difficult-to-pronounce name, it's kind of sucky,
0: really. We're fortunate people with our one-syllable names, yeah, really, aren't Tim's we? Tim Swan. Ben Fell. Nice and easy. Steve Holt. <laughs> Steve Holt. <Hall. laughs> uh,
1: so, yeah, that's uh, the bleak outlook on names. If any of you have any particularly funny or unfortunate or difficult-to-pronounce names, please write in and let us know. And we will, yeah, and we'll, we'll be struggle to pronounce your name. But, but yeah, but we'll be extra nice, because... Clearly, you know, you've got a hard time and you need some need some support.
0: OK, well, shall I tell you some more ways in which your name can cause you trouble? <laughs> Please do. In a, um, a study that is titled Monica Maladies, which is a study all about the bad things that will happen to you when you're called Monica. of course not this is all about the bad things that happen to us because we choose bad things for stupid reasons
1: you'll end up in a tv show called cougar town (laughs) cougar attack um yeah Uh, cougar town tim not cougar attack
0: yeah it's a thing from red dead redemption apparently
1: is it really oh yeah okay anyway maybe you misheard me no, no. And I wish Red Dead Redemption was on the PC. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> um,
0: Nelson and Simmons were building on the name letter effect, um, as we've previously discussed. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of pretty cool that we do slew towards things that favour our name letter. But they <laughs> wanted to show for absolutely certain that it was an unconscious process. And their plan to look at things that we would consciously avoid and then see if the name letter effect applied there. So not only will Tim be more likely to, as they write, buy a Toyota, move to Toronto and marry Tonya. Well, one out of three isn't bad. Um, Canada's nice.
1: Yeah, you'd hate Toronto. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm a real Vancouver man. What am I talking about? Montreal all the way. Um, anyway. Montreal uh, all the way. <laughs> I don't know anyone called Tonya. Um, I know. It's pr- that's probably because it's pronounced Tanya, you idiot. <laughs> no, it's spelled with an O. Is that a Canadian thing? I don't know. I'm not even sure if this is a Canadian study. But anyway. <laughs> it's not even a name. Maybe it's a kind of hummus. Now I'm just hungry for hummus. Not only <laughs> will Tim be more likely to do the good things, beginning with tea, assuming that buying Toyotas, moving to Toronto and marrying are good things, but I assume they are. Um yeah, to to- Toyonas. Oh,
1: God. Just ca- carry on with it.
0: <laughs> I'm also more likely to get into trouble, suffer tardiness, and inadvertently summon tempests. And um, do... You-
1: no, never mind. Carry on. Do t- terrible trios. I was going to say something about TCP, but I think that's antiseptic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, okay, you're thinking about PCP. PCP, that's what I get confused between those two.
0: <laughs> right, OK.
1: <laughs> this, this explains would explain why that. I have lots of festering wounds.
0: <laughs> and never get high when you want to. Yeah, I mean, you can gargle with it, apparently. Oh, right. OK. Well, they started with baseball. Now, baseball... TCP, that is, not
1: PCP. I don't know if... <laughs> with pcp
0: i don't really know what a form it comes in um but i imagine it's dry we're,
1: we're, so, we're so street aren't we
0: i don't think we've ever claimed to be street we're recording a <laughs> podcast <laughs> it's true
1: <laughs> next week on Media, we investigate the effects of street heroin on people recording a podcast
0: <laughs> oh can't we pick a, a drug that isn't just going to leave us like semi-conscious for 24 hours probably produced a marginally preferable podcast maybe (laughs) don't be don't be you know we should do some more party drugs anyway (laughs) if any of
1: you have suggestions as to which drugs we should take on this podcast next week please write in and let us know
0: please do not send us (laughs) some yeah we're not giving out our addresses Uh, Yeah. Now, uh, baseball, like cricket, has letters that denote certain events on scoring sheets. PCP, of course, is if you know that the batsman is on drugs. Um, Strikeouts, which they describe every which way in this paper one can get, are written down with the letter K. Now, in cricket, obviously, W denotes wicket. And I was trying to think of cricketers starting with W. Uh, Of course, there's W.G. Grace, uh, one of the greatest cricketers of all time. But obviously, (laughs) that wasn't scientific. So then I went to Crickinfo Stats Guru, but that didn't let me search by first name letter. So then I asked Andy Zoltzman on Twitter, but he hasn't gotten back to me.
1: What Uh, about Shane Warne?
0: Yeah, again, you know, but the thing is with cricket, I suppose it's ambiguous, isn't it? Is that we'll... um, warn be good at getting wickets but also more likely to get out because that's just called being a bowler um, <laughs> so yeah it's a difficult study to run it really is but clearly it was easier with baseball uh, i don't quite know why they don't use s because it ends with b um, <laughs> they don't explain the article why they don't use S for strikeouts, which is ridiculous given that they give you because the exact... stupid sport. Yeah, but they give you the exact section of the rule book where the section on strikeouts are in this paper, which is really stupid because even British people like me know that three strikes and you are out.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the one part of the baseball rules that has permeated itself into the cultural consciousness, which I, I can understand. While we were in Korea, for some inexplicable reason, we... Uh, actually no for a perfectly explicable reason baseball is massive in Korea. um it's like if they had a national sport it'd probably be baseball um and we were trying to a work out what the rules were and by extension b what the attraction was of it as a sport and having spent a while on the wikipedia page neither question was
0: satisfactorily answered right well it is quite similar to cricket really but that may be subject to the same question
1: more similar to rounders though
0: (laughs) yes well um anyway they did what i had tried to do with cricket and analyzed baseball data from 1913 to 2006 on all players with 100 appearances at the plate or more i mean you wonder why the americans are obese maybe bringing plates into sport doesn't help (laughs) anyway um they note across more than 90 years of professional baseball batters whose names began with k struck out at a higher rate in 18.8 percent of their plate appearances than the remaining batters 17.2 percent and this was significant at p is less than 0.002 um so that's quite significant and this remained when they controlled for date because apparently there's been more strikeouts over time as bowlers get better and it also um remains when they controlled for ethnicity Huh. And they I also-
1: suppose uh, it it works the other way with like B for baseball being like like people being good. That would explain why Billy Bean and Moneyball was so good.
0: Well possibly. I was thinking, you know, H for home run, maybe you could try it with that. Um but as will be explained later there's a reason why this effect works more for strikeouts. Oh. Um, they also checked so. without the 100 appearances restriction and got the same finding, which is weird, but it is cool. Everyone is trying to avoid striking out, but somehow these players are doing it slightly less um, because of their names. Uh, worst off, they reckon, will be the real player, Karl Kohli Kosef. <laughs> um, wow. They actually found a player with three Ks in his name, though he may just be striking out before anyone realises how unfortunate that is. He probably doesn't initial himself with his middle letter either. no. Um, yeah. so what else could they look at well they moved next to academia specifically in america they've got the letter grades a through d denoting performance unlike some professors still do uh, oxford and grade people alpha through gamma uh, and unlock british university grades numerical which are strange and ridiculous and um, they looked at 15 years of grades each for a bunch of students graduating from an american university students whose initials were a or b did better grade-wise than those whose initials were C or D. And if you include F in that letter group, it shows the same effect, even though apparently Fs aren't widely used. Although, you know, clearly American TV has lied to me. So what about BF? Um, Well, this is the thing, is that they excluded people like you, Ben, whose initials are inconsistent um and looked at separately these. racists they found these people fell somewhere in the middle so it was basically like i like the name ben so i like the grade b but i also like the name fell so i like to fail <laughs> um, and that kind of balances out uh, actually yes. it's not quite correct because the le- initials a and b didn't do any differently from e to z which is of course an incomplete street atlas um <laughs> so basically they believe that this is a debuff rather than just congruence um, why I might it uh,
1: start using the phrase debuff? Yeah.
0: In, like, why might it only? <laughs> why might it only work in one direction? Um, they explain in a quite interesting way. Um, for example, if either of the authors of this article found himself playing in a major league baseball game, infinite unconscious motivation to succeed would not stave off the inevitable. In contrast, if either author had an unconscious desire to strike out, this implicit goal would likely be met with resounding success. Thus, although having initials that match easy-to-achieve negative outcomes may cause a decrement in performance, having initials that match hard-to-achieve positive outcomes may not necessarily cause an increase in performance. Now, uh, they note a quite obvious potential confound that other people are judging in these cases. Even in baseball, it comes down to the umpire calling the strike. Um, and you wait to do that, haven't you? The impact of uh, yeah names on teachers' expectations is well attested. We've already kind of discussed it. Um, for example, if you give teachers a vignette and attach various names, they'll judge it differently if the name is stereotypically associated with certain characteristics. And there's an ethnic and class side too that as well apparently oh
1: good that's nice to hear
0: i was trying to find up some actual examples of names but the only place i could find one with detailed examples uh, with my lack of oxford access was in the daily mail and i figured that wasn't really science No. Uh, more anti-science
1: <laughs> i mean this it's actually worth it's like a slight common problem i found in these studies they very rarely give examples of the names that they're talking about yeah it's kind of weird i mean you can sort of understand why but then again sort
0: of not yeah, especially like for the unfortunate names and the rest of it. I wanted to know what the most highly favoured names were.
1: Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Presumably uh, Gloria. <laughs>
0: um, they uh, followed up their second study.
1: It's a bit early for Christmas jokes, isn't it?
0: Yes. Um, they followed up their second study with a test of whether the students in question liked their initials. Only those who did should really be motivated to reach outcomes that match them. And this liking was measured in a pseudo-implicit way, in that they were, like in the uh, not in original studies, had to give their first intuitive reactions to rating letters. But in this case, they had them rate all the letters in the alphabet from one to nine, as in oh. a one to nine scale of liking. Um, and that does work well for most questionnaires. <laughs> You're not very good at the alphabet if you think it runs one to <laughs> Exactly, yes. Yes. Um, And this analysis basically showed that if you like your initials, you're more likely to achieve goals related to them. So A and B initials get the good grades, whereas if you don't like your initials, the reverse is true. So C and D initials get the good grades. It's just that a majority of people do like their own initials. That gives the overall effect showing the positive. Which makes
1: perfect sense in the context of the self and relation to the self from nothing at the very beginning. If you are you like your initials, you're more, uh, they're more well-incorporated into your self-image. Yeah. All, it all, all, all comes together in the end.
0: Yeah. So, Brilliant. after this, they looked at almost 400,000 people getting into law school, which is some pretty supersized data sets here, mm. um, which is impressive. They compared the initials of the people with the rank of the law school in the tables and found that as the quality of law school declined, so did the number of students with names starting with A and B. So in a way, it's a good thing for me. There is no T grade. But speaking of the letter T, they did a final study with an actual experiment. They had a set of anagrams to solve and three conditions being offered prize X if they could solve them or prize Y if they couldn't, um, which was the control. Um, one where the good prize for success was their initial and one where the bad prize for failure was their initial. And the example they used was T for their invented person, Toby. Now, two of the ten anagrams were impossible, and I wondered whether they had to get that bit past ethics, because clearly causing actual pain has to be well justified. But what about the distress of an impossible problem? Hmm. Um, and the letters. Well, I was going to come up with a fake impossible anagram, and then all the ones I tried were anagrams. Uh, <laughs> so I blame Rachel Riley. But uh, those letters constantly running through your head, even after thorough debriefing, it would be really quite cruel.
1: I suppose it depends how much you care about anagrams. Yeah,
0: that's true. And I don't know if they actually tested that in advance. Basically, they expected the initial matching the failure prize to solve the fewest anagrams, because but that there would be no effect of the initial matching the success prize. Um, mm-hmm they eliminated anyone who got none of the anagrams and anyone who claimed to have got all of them, which was uh, about 20% of the overall sample between the two. I think people were more lazy than deluded. Um, <laughs> ah, that's, a good, that's, good. that's a good thing to know about the human condition. Possibly. Um, their results matched their predictions. The negative initial did do worse, but the positive or no initial groups did the same. So basically, this experiment cons- confirms their super data crunching from earlier. The key mm. finding, basically, is, is that there's this un- unconscious part of us that will happily sabotage us because it happens to match our names, which we like both implicitly and often explicitly. Um, our conscious goals are often difficult, but if we have an unconscious goal, which is f- failure and thus easy, it's easy to fail and get that satisfaction. Um, mm. The final bit of the story, the very final bit, was this, the acknowledgements. Acknowledgements. The order in which the author's names appear was determined alphabetically. For some reason, I find that fitting and funny.
1: That is is fairly apt, because it isn't always that way. Uh, Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. I mean... Yeah, so in the past, on the podcast, we've talked about nominative determinism, and uh, I suddenly remembered that that was the idea that I would always had for the podcast on names, would be where we find the study that shows that if you're name is dave you're more likely to become a diver or something right or a dock worker or a duck or something like that <laughs> um
0: and they really don't know much about
1: jobs do you? <laughs> i'm a postgraduate <laughs> uh yeah and they, that study does exist but we're not telling you about it
0: we can do other episodes <laughs> on the same
1: topic and shall i'm sure um but yeah so that that's pretty much it you're Life is almost entirely determined by your name. So, uh, yes, be careful when naming your children.
0: And if you have a yeah, silly yeah. name,
1: blame your parents for everything that goes wrong in your life.
0: Yep. I think that has a pretty safe conclusion. Yes. Right. That seems a good enough note to end oh, on. Uh, yeah. The only other thing I want to add is if anyone wants to introduce me to any women whose names begin with T, do feel free, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can't think of any that I know.
1: But, Tim, just... just. Uh... Go on that dating website, surely. That would be a much better idea. What was it called?
0: E-Darling. E-Darling, yeah. I might might go on there just to see if I can get a sample a sample profile to put in the show notes.
1: <laughs> just go in there and fill in your own profile and put it on the in the show notes, surely.
0: Good. I'm above that. You're tempted
1: now, aren't you though? A little bit. <laughs> 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 you don't have to click submit. No, it's going to judge you. Can click? I mean, obviously,
0: you can click submit if you want. You know, nobody's stopping you. I don't see what I gain from this name-wise. You've got to go through quite a few processes before you're getting towards any of the stuff used in the name research. Yeah,
1: that's true. Oh well, never mind.
0: Yeah. uh Anyway, yes, if you'd want to contact the show with, uh you know, suggestions of better dating sites for meeting people with the same name as you. <laughs>
1: Or just Uh, declarations of undying love.
0: Then, yes, you could uh, try uh, psychomediapodcast at Uh, gmail.com. At at teampsychomedia on Twitter. And uh, psychomedia.wordpress.com for show notes, which include pictures, and pictures are nice. And And also, you can comment there.
1: And also, obviously, this week, uh, Timothy J. Swan's uh, e-darling profile. (laughs) Yep.
0: Leave a comment and a picture. (laughs) This is only going to lead to horror. Yes, yes it is. Uh, Speaking of that, I think we should say goodbye to everyone.
1: uh, And we should maybe apologise in advance for the outro.
0: (laughs) We should do that every week. And now, an excerpt from Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, with live translation into the APA format. If music be the food of love, play on, give me excess of it. If audition, be the gustation of pair-bonding attraction, play on, give me an amount past sensory-specific satiety.
1: That surfeiting the appetite may sicken and so die.
0: That the process of appetitive processing may induce nausea and so dissected. That
1: strain again, it had a dying fall.
0: My recognition memory activated by an exponentially decreasing amplitude. Oh, it came o'er my ear like the sweet sound. Oh, it stimulated frequency-specific cells in my ear, like the sweet 800 hertz sound. That breathes upon
1: a bank of violets.
0: That exerts respiratory reflex upon a bank of floral stimuli. Shakespeare et al. 1602.